the line of duty deaths and murders of police officers, law enforcement officers across the country, inspired him to do something dramatic and radical. He's a former police officer. He's here to tell his story on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Of all the radio stations in the United States, there are no other shows like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show Facebook page. Contacting us from Texas, we have a repeat guest on the law enforcement talk radio show tommy capel he's a former san antonio police officer he's also the executive director of saving a hero's place their website is saving a hero's place.org we'll talk about what they do i'll just tell you this they build some one-of-a-kind memorial chairs for officers who are killed in line of duty and it really is a, a, a touching touching piece and we'll talk about that in a moment Tommy was on the show quite a while ago. You just look for a law enforcement talk radio show and podcast and look for the podcast version. You'll find it. Just go to letradio.com and you'll find it there as well. It's really easy. Tommy, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Oh, honored to be here. Thank you. So you were a San Antonio police officer for, can I, is, is it safe to say, a long time? Yeah, all right at almost 10 years. That's That's a long time. Look, the way it breaks down to... You're a rookie when you're brand new. And I, I always say this. You don't start getting really good at policing until about five years on a job. Uh, and then eight years, right. you really hit your stride. And it, unfortunately, what happens, a lot of people, they got 10 years on. They're really good at what they do. They leave for a myriad of reasons. <laughs> your reasons are not the reasons why a lot of people left, though, are they? No, not really. How long did you, you was at San Antonio? You said it was 10 years you were on the job? Right. Almost, right at almost 10 years. And you left so that you could do full-time saving a hero's place and building these memorial chairs. Uh, is there another way of putting it? No, that's that's basically it. Um, it's just my passion to do this, I guess, started to outweigh my passion to continue law enforcement full-time. And there's a reason why. Even, I, I tell people this, and it, there's really no logical way to explain this. I feel it emotionally when officers from my department die in the line of duty. And when other officers are killed in car accidents, heart attacks, uh, shot and killed, whatever it might be, acts of violence, and other departments I never met, I feel it just as bad. And it reminds me of all those bad, bad memories. And they, it's more than memories. It's almost like a physiological thing. Oh, absolutely. Like, anytime you, you hear of one or it pops up on an alert or you see it on social media, it just... Man, it just tears at your heart, especially, you know, us doing this now. It's just every time you're just like, oh, another one, you know, that that we're going to have to honor. It just never, yeah, it's just always in the back of your mind. I guess because you know, having experienced the loss of a, a friend and colleague, I guess you know what they're going to be feeling. And I think that's what, you know, just tears at your heart each time. 
And you went through that early in your career. I, I, the first time we talked, I, I think you mentioned a, a academy classmate. Was that the deal that was killing line of duty? Yeah, so my academy classmate, Officer Sergio Antion, was killed uh, by a drunk driver two months after he graduated the academy. And he's probably in his early 20s, if uh, if my memory's yes. correct. Yes. That, you know, the, the I hate to say irony because that's an overused term. But these are people, they're, they're stuffed out in their prime in their lives, uh, and they've got so much more to offer. They've got so much more to experience, and it just it doesn't seem fair when they're in their 20s, and it doesn't seem fair when they're in 40s or 50s either. No, it doesn't, but it, it definitely kind of, you think about that when you see one that's, that's killed on duty, you know, and you go and you look at the age, and you're just like, man, like, they didn't have a chance to, you know, to make the difference that you know they wanted to make. Um, right. Right. Yeah, so it just kind of tears at you, like, oh, so young. And then there was another uh, line of duty death involved. Was it the uh, MIT police officer was killed? Yes. And that had a big impact on you. And that is that what motivated you to start with the, the memorial chairs? Yes, I had done one for a, for a fellow officer in San Antonio, and I just kind of, I did it, and I didn't realize, like, what, what it was going to mean or the significance at the time. And, and I had just done that. So when the MIT officer was killed, man, it, I don't, to this day, and maybe, you know, God had a plan for us to do this and maybe that's why it bothered me, but I still don't know why that incident bothered me so much. Um, I was angry when that happened and I, for like a week, I couldn't sleep. Um, and it, you know, it's not like I hadn't seen it before. It happened, unfortunately it happens all the time. It's just that particular one. I think it's just the way it happened. That's, that's the last way you want to go out is, is sitting in your patrol car and yeah. not having a, a fighting chance. And I think that's why that bothered me so much. So I, yeah, I reached out to them and I did a chair for them. And I think that's when we saw what it meant, uh, the significance of the chair and what, what it meant to officers that, that knew him and worked with him. And that's, that's ultimately what made us, you know, like, well, we, we need to keep doing this. And by the way, the chairs are not inexpensive. And, and if you want to see examples of them, just go to savingaheroesplace.org or do a Google search for Saving a Heroes Place and, and you'll see them. They are magnificent workers of art. And about how much time does it take to create each chair? Uh, it's just depending on like how often we work on it throughout the day, but we can, we'll do a chair in two full days. And here's the nitty gritty. And we've talked about this before. For, for many nonprofits, which Saving a Heroes Place is, the fundraising is what they call the other F word. It's nonstop. Uh, how, about right. how much does it cost you, not your time and your travel expenses, but how much does it cost you just to create one chair? Uh, just to create the chair itself, we'd probably have to say somewhere between 500 maybe a little higher, just depending on what all we do and everything. And that doesn't really include like everything that's involved, that's just kind of material and stuff. If we, some of the material we get donated, but we also buy a lot of it as well. But yeah, that's, that's before we get into the travel and everything. Yeah. Which we'll talk about. Biggest expenses. Here's one of the things that, that I'm going to challenge people to do. Uh, And I did, I do a birthday challenge on Facebook every year. And the last one was for saving a hero's place. There's, that's one way you can get involved. If you can go to saving a hero's place.org, or do a Google search for Saving a Hero's Place, and just make a contribution, $5, $10, $20, whatever it might be. If you're a corporation and, and you can fork out a little bit more for sponsorship, do that. Because when we return, we're going to talk about, there's a lot of time and expense that you and your entire family go through just 
because you're building these chairs on site now, a lot of them, where before you did in San Antonio and then shipped them out. Am I correct? Yeah, before we were doing them in San Antonio, and then we ended up moving to the Richmond area, and then, uh, but yeah, we would build them out of our shop, and then we would we would still drive them to wherever they need to go, but we built them at our home base. Gotcha. And where are you located now? Now we're kind of all over. We don't have a set shop, so <laughs> so now, yeah, now we're we're literally traveling twenty four seven. Tommy Capel is a former San Antonio police officer, and you could say he's a nomad. He's the executive director of Saving a Hero's Place. When we return, we're going to talk about a couple incidents that had a tremendous impact on him and still do for many law enforcement officers, myself included. This is the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What is the Newsbreak app, and why should you follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast on the Newsbreak app? Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events, free live news for you and your community. Download the Newsbreak app today for free, and be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. Return to our conversation with Tommy Capel on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Tommy is a former San Antonio police officer. We'll get into the hierarchy of former ex and retired in a moment, because that's one of the few things I do correct people on. He's executive director of Saving a Hero's Place, the website to get more details about what they do, savingaheroesplace.org. That's savingaheroesplace.org. Check it out today, or just do a Google search for Saving a Hero's Place. They build phenomenal top of the line memorial chairs for for slain and fallen officers across the country i want to get into very quickly like i said there's only a few things i'll correct people on most of the time i'm like it's just not worth the effort but you have when someone calls me an ex-police officer or ex-sergeant i'm like no i'm retired um, and and former means you left uh, on your own accord and you were in good standing when you left sometimes retired people split hairs about pensions an X usually means you were you quit or you're forced to quit and you left under less than honorable circumstances. That's why I correct people on that. So for those of you listening that want to call us X, don't call myself an X and don't call Tommy an X. That, that you're going to get a talking to. One of the things that really motivated you, we had a long time ago a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show a couple times, a couple episodes, was about Deputy Kyle Dinkeller. We had his father, Kirk Dinkeller, on the show. And Patrick Shaver, filmmaker, on the show, talking about his film, Dinkeller. And, and for those who don't know, Kyle Dinkeller was a, a deputy, was it in South Carolina? Is that right, correct? Georgia. Georgia. County, Georgia. Yeah. And he was shot to death on a car stop. And uh, it was the early days before the advent of body cameras everywhere in dash cam. Uh, and it's, it's pretty horrific. And everybody that's been in law enforcement since uh, the 90s, early 90s, have seen that video. I, I've seen a little bit of it. I, t- I turn it off very quickly. You've obviously right. seen it. Right. Did it make an impact on you like it did me? Yeah, like I remember, I remember seeing in the academy, you know, at the time I didn't know who he was. I didn't know that, you know, who would know that later we would end up having ties to him and, and meeting, like you said, Patrick and, um, and ultimately doing a chair for him. But yeah, I remember seeing it in the Academy and you're just like, man, like it's, that video is shown all over the country. Um, and I'm, I would think it's probably saved lives for people thinking like, you know, in those similar situations. 
um, but you mentioned Patrick, and that's ultimately how we got in touch to do that chair. Um, He's a great guy. I've not talked to him in a while, uh, and he was a, an Atlanta police officer. He's a filmmaker. Yeah. He went to, I think, uh, Follies Island, South Carolina. Now he and his wife and children up in Maine or somewhere in the New England area, if I correct, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he moves around a lot. Now they're like in Maine, yeah, like up there in Maine. And the one thing about him, and we'll go back to your story, is that he didn't care that he didn't know about filmmaking. He decided, I'm going to learn as I go, and I got started. And he did some things like Officer Involved. He did Dink Keller. He did a bunch of them, and he did uh, great stuff. As a matter of fact, he filmed the pilot for Cops and Cabins a long time ago. Just a great guy. Is that how you got in touch with the Ding Kellers and got involved in building a chair for Kyle? Yeah, because we met Patrick, oh, it's been years, and then through Officer Involved, we also did a chair uh, that was on that that documentary, and then he did a documentary about us, and then he was doing one on, on Ding Keller, and we were like, man, we've, you know, we've always wanted to do that. That chair has always been in the back of our mind since we started doing this because we've, you know, we've all seen that video. And so, yeah, he, he ultimately put us in touch and then we, you know, kind of went from there. So we did that chair in, uh, like July, 2021 is when we, when we presented the chair to them. Can you describe the reaction that you got just from his coworkers? Uh, look, I know his family. I met, uh, I, I've talked to his dad several times. Phenomenal guy. But, oh yeah. We, we, we keep in touch with him. Like he's a great guy. He was there, of course. And, you know, we've been communicating back and forth and in touch with him ever since uh he came you know he's come to chair builds that we've done in georgia so it's yeah we've definitely created a connection with him and what was the reaction like from his uh, department when you did the chair uh it was really good um they had i don't remember the told people that were there but yeah it was they definitely accepted it and um it's just it's, we've never had an experience where people are like, ah, this is kind of odd or whatever. Like it's always, usually it's not what they expect. I think even when they see them online, it's different when it's in person. It always seems like, uh, they're always just like, wow, even though they've seen them online, I guess it's still different when we unveil it. It is see it in person. I, I got to tell you to me, and uh, maybe this is an overused phrase. It's like a punch in the mouth. It really hits you with the reality and the gravity of the situation. Right. That's, and we hear a lot of people say that, um, they, you know, we'll take the cover off and that we always say that's one of our favorite moments, not favorite moments, but it's one of the most, I guess, emotional moments that makes us like, wow, you know, we got to keep doing it. Cause it, when we take that cover off, you can just hear it. The room's either super silent or you just hear like people take a deep breath or it's, uh, every time we take that cover off, even though a lot of these people have already seen them online. Yeah. Well, they're 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 there. Uh, just go to savingaheroesplace dot org and you'll see them, or do a Google search for saving a hero's place and and you'll see the chairs. I mean, they're no joke. Look, when you when someone says a chair, my mind automatically goes to those plastic things that that, that uh, <laughs> they're out in the sun too long, they break, they crack, and if someone like me is a little too large and leans too far back and they break, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about high end chairs, and then you have this rope braid towards the front, so people don't actually sit them there. And they're engraved too, aren't they? Yes. What is some of the information you put on the chair? Uh, the top is usually always the same. We'll put the uh, the whatever rank they were, their name, and then their end of watch, and then the the center of the board 
Uh, there's three main backslides of the chair. In the center, we usually put the badge. Um, some we put a patch. And then at the bottom, it's always a phrase or, or words that they said. Um, the bottom is what's always different. I mean, a lot of people choose the same Bible verses because there's a lot of common ones that, that people use in law enforcement, like blessed are the peacemakers. And But a lot of the chairs are really personalized. They'll, we'll put something there that the officer used to say or or just something that meant a lot to them. And so they're, they're very customized um, to that specific officer a lot of times. You've totally revamped the way you do things. It used to be, and I want to cover this, although we did a lot in depth the last time, very quickly. It used to be you got notified and you got a request, and then you, uh, your spouse, and another person would start working on the chair. How long would it take you to get it done? Uh, it would vary just depending on where it was at, what else we had. Because, we, you know, when we first started when we did the MIT one, we just built the chair, drove it across the country, came home. We'd build another chair, drive it across the country, come home. And they were like, man, this isn't very efficient, you know, when we, we keep going back and forth to these same areas. So a lot of times it just depends if we get a if we get a chair and then, you know, later we get another chair in the same area. Now we kind of wait to get everything on that second one so that we can do both of them. Um, and go to the same area. So a lot of them, a lot of the timing just depends. We've, man, we've gotten a request before, and it's been like a year, and we'll wow. finally present it. And some have just been a few months. It just always depends on how quick they can get badges and stuff, and then you know where it's at and how many more we have in that area. We're gonna take a short break. We're talking with uh, Tommy Capel, former San Antonio police officer, executive director of Saving a Heroes Place. Get more details about what they do, savingaheroesplace.org. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to click like. Return our conversation with Tommy Capel on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Tommy is a former San Antonio police officer, 10 years on the job. He's executive director of Saving a Hero's Place. More details can be found about them at savingaheroesplace.org. You can make a donation there as well, and you'll find out in a few moments why those donations are really needed. To paraphrase very quickly, you build high-end memorial chairs to be displayed at police departments, law enforcement agencies, in, in honor of those who made the ultimate sacrifice that were that, that were killed in the line of duty. You used to do that from home, from San Antonio, in free time. But there was an incident that occurred involving a fallen officer that changed things and changed the way you do things. Can you talk about that? Yeah, we like I said, we always we always built them in our shop. Uh, we would then drive them to wherever they needed to go we'd present them and we'd leave uh so we would be at any given department for 30 minutes an hour sometimes we'd go to eat with them sometimes we wouldn't so we never you wouldn't really get the same connection you would if you were with someone for a few days um and when we were in san antonio we had we had a couple people come and help build the chairs and then we would present them and that was it but um in march of 2021 we had a chair request um already in the works to do and they they reached out the department and the, the lieutenant and he said hey could we come to texas from georgia um me another officer uh two of the fallen officer brothers and his dad would like to come and help and we were like whoa this you know this is going to be different but you know absolutely because we before you would never see the chair we would build it we'd keep it covered we'd never posted it it was only 
shown like after we present it because we didn't want anybody to see it. So this is going to be different because they were going to be there building it and they would see it as it's being built. But they so March of 2021, they they showed up. They they spent three days, I believe it was, and we were in Richmond at the time. Um, and it and it really changed the way we I guess saw what a chair meant because you know the the two brothers are there, the father's there. A really close friend of, his, friend of his on the department was there, and then, a, like I said, a lieutenant was there. And you know, during the whole process of building the chair, you're getting all these stories about the the fallen deputy, and you're you're seeing them at times just stare at a piece of the chair, and just you know they're thinking about him. It really changed the way you know after that after that experience. We became very close to them in, in just a few days, like I said. Cause, you know, law enforcement, a lot of law enforcement, a lot of law enforcement families, they're the same everywhere you go. So you connect. It only takes about a day or two to connect with people because you're the same. Um, we've noticed that when we do this, when you go, you can go across the country and meet officers and they're the same, same as you. Um, and so we connected really quick. And they, they left. They took the chair with them and then... You know, we became so close. We're like, man, we, we can't just let them take this chair with them. So um, that was March and July. We drove back up to Georgia so that we could still present it because we didn't want them to just take it back and present it, which was the original plan. But we were just like, man, we, we got to go. No matter, even though they already took the chair, we got to drive up there and, and present it anyway. So we did. And we've just become very close. We've gone back up there. Um, but that changed the way we, we wanted to do things. Now I would build a chair in my shop, we'd go present it and we'd be like, man, this isn't the same as, you know, the other chair we did where the family was there. So that's when I believe we're, me and Robert laying in bed one night and she's like, man, what, what if we go to the department and build the chair? You know, and then of course I can't sleep all night because she brings that up. Of course you know? she had to ruin your but, sleep by planting that little idea in your head. Yeah, I got an idea. And, um, so we did. We started looking like, okay, what what would we need? We would need, you know, a fairly good sized trailer. We would need to, you know, downsize all of our equipment to go on this trailer now instead of a thousand square feet shop that we had before. And so we did. We, you know, we we got a trailer. We started buying different equipment and getting rid of the equipment we had. So everything we have now is like way downsized and more battery operated stuff instead of the big, you know, commercial equipment that we had before. Um, but yeah, so now we've, we travel to each department if, if they want to, and most of them lately have wanted to do it that way once they find out we can do that. So we, we travel to the department, uh, we set up and we build the chair with the family and coworkers over a two day period. So you, you got a truck that hauls this trailer around and I, I do know cause I've been spying right. a little bit on your social media. Yeah. You just had it wrapped. You had a lot of things done to it, but does that thing have like a zillion miles on it already? Yeah, it does. We got it uh, in May of last year with like 18,000 miles, I think, on it. And we're about to hit 50,000 miles um, just since May. And Um, the the fuel cost alone must be staggering. Not to mention the equipment, not to mention the materials that create the chair, and not to mention your travel costs, hotels, food, fuel. But the fuel alone has got to be outrageous. It is, you know, we've, and that was one of our concerns. We're like, man, we, we want to do it this way because it means so much more. And, but we knew it was going to be definitely more expensive than what we normally do because, you know, we would, before we built the chair, loaded up in the, in the truck we had and we could drive 
you know, 12, 16, 17 hours a day and get to where we needed to go. We can't do that. Um, pulling this trailer, it's just too much. I always tell them it's just, I don't know what it is. I think just the, just the driving and having to be more careful and everything. It's just more stressful yeah. <laughs> when you're pulling a trailer that heavy. And, and so now, you know, we're driving six, seven hours and stopping. So now we've just added another hotel, uh, stay. So yeah, definitely, definitely fuel and pulling the trailer itself. And, um, it's increased. Uh, we, we knew it was going to happen, but it's, I think the experiences we get from this and that the families get, it's, it's more than worth it. So we're, when you're there and I don't know, it's, it's hard to even explain it, but just, I guess the reactions and feedback we've got from doing it this way is just, it's been amazing. I think it's we phenomenal. Very first you, year. I, I really think it's phenomenal what you do. And I, I, I couldn't applaud you more for doing what you do. However, there's, there's very few things. You said earlier your, your wife came up with the idea, hey, why don't we go on the road and build these, and, and you couldn't sleep. There's one thing that will cause me to lose sleep more than anything else. That's fear of financial insecurity. I mean, I will pace up floors over stuff like that. Have yeah. you found that being the case for you? Because this is a lot of expense. Yeah, and that was one of the toughest things leaving the department, too. It was actually... Uh, Aaron Slater from Relentless Offender that talked me into leaving the department and doing this. Um, he had talked about it for years and man, when I was with San Antonio, I, you know, I was making good money. I'm not, you know, you always hear officers should make more money. I, w- I was making good money <laughs> um, with San Antonio. They pay very well, had very good benefits. So that was the scariest part. Like I'm going to, I'm going to leave this for sure deal um, and go work for a nonprofit, you know, and, and have to rely on other people believing in what we're doing to be able to make this successful. So yeah, that's, that's still, I think the only stress, I don't get stressed out really often. I'm just not, I just don't, but yeah, that's always been, especially last year, 2020 was kind of stressful. We, we actually gained a lot more donors in 2020, I think because people couldn't do fundraising and they couldn't go places. So they just, started donating and it you know it helped us because we couldn't do an actual fundraiser that was scary because i had just left the department at the end of 2019 and then 2020 hit and i was literally thinking i was going to go back to the department because i wasn't going to be able to sustain um but we made it and then you know last year was probably our our worst year since then if not worse um so it's definitely been kind of stressful because it's um our, our we have one big fundraiser every year which is our gala because we can't we always tell people if we have to fundraise all year and spend all this time fundraising we're not going to be able to do that many chairs right so that's what that's what's difficult we have to do yeah we have to do both and so we try to just have a big gala well last year was not successful <laughs> and um and we've heard that with a lot of different nonprofits last year that just yeah, everyone it can be tough. The board was, it can be really yeah, tough. And this is why your donations will really go a long way. When you have a chance, just go to savingaheroesplace.org or do a Google search for Saving a Heroes Place. Remember when news was free? Be sure to check out the Newsbreak app. It's free. And be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk radio show and podcast on the Newsbreak app. Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events free live news for you and your community download the newsbreak app today for free and be sure to follow the law enforcement talk radio show and podcast on the newsbreak app we return our conversation with tommy capel former san antonio police officer we're going to talk about the personal reasons why he does this and just stick around 
You won't want to miss what we're talking about. It's coming up on the show. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. Return our conversation with Tommy Capel on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. Tommy is a former San Antonio police officer for San Antonio, Texas. He's executive director of Saving a Hero's Place. Their website is savingaheroesplace.org. Or you can do a Google search for Saving a Hero's Place. Now, the thing about Tommy, he was on the show a long time ago. I think it was before COVID, so it was before 2020. You are still on the department last time we talked. Things have changed yeah. dramatically. But one of the things is... This is just my personal interpretation. Tommy's one of these guys that he plays things close to the, the vest. You really don't get an idea of what go, what goes on with him. And you come across as pretty unflappable. Things don't bother you. That's the exterior. Whether they say still waters run deep. Is that a fair assessment for you? Or, or is there a lot more below the surface that people are not aware of? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I would say that. I don't get, like I mentioned before, super stressful or anything, but... I'm definitely, I don't know, I guess I could almost say overly passionate about about what we're doing. And what really drove that was the death of your academy classmate, a couple months on the job. And then we had the MIT officer, Sean Collier, is that what his name was, uh, that was yes. shot and killed in his patrol car. And by the way, part of the reason why that happened, and this is not universal, but... Um, we always try to park with our, our back of our car somewhere where we're in. And uh, we always backed into places so you can get out early in case, uh, quickly in case people are shooting at you. So you wonder why. Right. But you, you wanted to get some sort of obstruction where people can walk up behind you because that was always a fear. That, and it, it happened right. in the 70s. It happened in the 80s, 90s. But the truth is, it's not supposed to happen at a college in Massachusetts outside of Boston called MIT. It's just not. Correct. And something about that is just really wrong. You expect that in New York City. You expect that in San Diego. You expect that in Baltimore or, or Dallas or Houston. You don't expect that at MIT. Yeah, I think that's what bothered me. You know, when you when you saw that incident, you're like, this is MIT college campus. Like you, I mean, anytime you put the uniform on, no matter where you're at, it's it's risky. But you just don't expect that, you know. And they, and I don't think they would have expected that. And I think, and I tell people that when we present the chair, I'm like, I think that's a lot why it bothered me. It should have. You would never expect that to happen, but it, no. but it did. And I hate to say this, look, my my wife, I call her the boss. There was a time when I was policing that I thought the county guys had it easy. I didn't realize that there was a lot less of them. They had to do more than we did. But the, the violence was nonstop. The trauma was nonstop. I thought I knew what I signed up for, but it was a lot more intense than I realized. Just fast forward, my wife, the boss, was talking to a retired police officer from, let's just say, the Jersey Shore. And she said, it, this guy was really tedious, really getting on her nerves. And she said, yeah, my husband's a retired police officer. He's a retired sergeant. And I went, really? Where do you work? And she went, Baltimore, Baltimore City. And the guy went, you got to be kidding me. And part of it is like, we compare this thing. Yeah, he's got it pretty easy. That's a pretty cake department. They're not dealing with what we deal with. Is, is that honestly what you thought of, of MIT? Yeah, it is. You know, and you're, and like you said, you, there's like this, in the law enforcement in the big city, that's like the 
it's just what you hear. Like, you know, hey, they don't, you know, it's campus police or blah, blah. Like, they don't have the same workload or whatever. But, you know, and, until we started doing this, you, or unless you're really paying attention, you, you'll see that that's not the case. We've, we've done a lot of chairs for, for campus police. Yeah. And whether it be a school district or a, or a college campus, we've, we've done a lot of chairs for, for campus police. So it, it really opens up your eyes. So, you know what, it's, it don't matter if you're in a small town, doesn't matter if you're in That's a big exactly city. exactly the point. There. We've done a lot of chairs for, for small towns and we've gone back to the same small towns and done chairs. So it's, it's definitely not the case. Like you said, they're a small department, but they're working with less. They're working with um, less. And the reality is when you put that uniform on, and I'm not saying this for sympathy, you can take your tea and sympathy and crumpets and you know what to do with it. I'm, uh, I'm just saying this. When you put that uniform on or you drive around in a marked car with a uniform on, you are a target for anyone that's got any kind of beef or issue. Yep. I don't care if they're terrorists. I don't care if they're top of the line hit men that Hollywood loves to dramatize or it's a loser down the street. Usually it's a loser down the street that can then ruin your life or kill you. And the, the, our uniform officers are targets all the time and it's got to stop i don't know what we got to do to get people to stop this the killing is just incredible yeah definitely it doesn't seem to be getting any better and i you know i, I always do what we do i always look up line of duty you just it's like every day i'm looking it up and i when you look back it's i mean always been a a thing i think just now with social media and stuff and you're more yeah. aware of it you're uh, you're definitely more aware of it and one of the things i right. do with uh, the law enforcement talk radio show facebook page and we also have another page that i manage called true crime fighters is through also down memorial page odmp.org they do a great job and there's several other yeah. ones that do an awesome job i try to memorialize slain officers every day on the anniversary of their yeah. death and i try to keep it within 20 years the truth is it's an overwhelming number. Uh, and yeah. we look at heart attacks, we look at car accidents, we look at drownings, we look at accidental deaths, we look at illnesses, we look at uh, so many died from COVID, so many died from cancer, 9-11 related cancer, they're still dying. And then we have the gunfire and, and the acts of violence. And it can become, a, certain times I want to say, uncle, I give. Yeah, like... And, it, and that's, what, that's what gets us a lot of times. We'll be somewhere, we'll present a chair, and we'll be on the way home or something, and then, bam, you get an alert that an officer is killed, and you're just like, we just honored one. You know, It's just a never-ending. And, you know, we usually tell people that the presentation, we've, we just had our 276th chair, I believe, um, that we've done since we started. And when we tell people that, they're like, wow, that's so amazing. And then we look at it as we barely covered a little over a year worth of line of duty deaths. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, someone asked, I was talking to someone that runs a nonprofit the other day and he was just asking like, what would you do if someone, you know, came in and donated three, 400,000 to you guys. And I told him I would try to double the number of chairs we do in a year. Um, well, that's a challenge. What do we got to do to get yeah. three or $400,000 donated to saving heroes place? And by the yeah, way, there are companies that can stroke a check right now for that amount of number and not even blink an eye. There are billionaires that can do that and not blink an eye. I'm more impressed with the people that they donate $20 and that $20 makes a difference. It's a huge difference for them. Oh, it does. We we started a, a monthly uh, reoccurring deal years ago. Someone actually suggested it to us. Uh, we never even thought about it. And that's 
that's helped us quite a bit. We have about 300 people that donate reoccurring every month. They set it up on our website. Some are three dollars, you know, and some, like you said, are twenty dollars. But it, it adds up when when a lot of people do it. You know, we have, like I said, we have 300 people that do it. But just imagine if you had thousands of people that did it and they only donate three bucks a month, that would change our entire nonprofit on what we'd be able to do. Um, which is such a small amount. You just need a big number of people to do it. So we need, let's just say we have 300 people that are part of that monthly donation thing. Can we double that number to 600? Would that make a big difference for you? Oh, absolutely it would. All you got to do is go online, savingaheroesplace.org. That's savingaheroesplace.org. Or do a Google search for Saving a Heroes Place. You'll see the chairs that, that Tommy and his crew does. And it's not just Tommy. There's a lot of people involved. And yeah. you know who you need to talk to in the future is your wife. Yeah. Big, because I'm, I'm sure there's a, a host of inspiration right there. And as a side of the story, we never really get to hear about uh, the spouses of, of law enforcement officers. And again, if you are a corporation, you're a representative of a corporation, uh, or just a mom and pop, doesn't matter who you are. If you can make a, a small donation, it'd be greatly appreciated. If you make a large donation, it'd be greatly appreciated. That's savingaheroesplace.org. Savingaheroesplace.org or do a little search for Saving a Heroes Place and you will find the chairs and you'll find more information and how you can donate. Tommy, thanks so much for your service. Thanks for being a guest on the show and thanks for all you do. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast on the Newsbreak app. Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events, free live news for you and your community. Download the Newsbreak app today for free and be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast on the Newsbreak app. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. We'll be right back.